This is the Western Sydney Health Check with Harrison and Sia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Western Sydney Health Check. Thanks, Sia. Joining us this week is a patient who beat breast cancer. You have to find the strength, and you do. You find the strength. I thought when they told me that I, I thought if ever I had cancer or if I had breast cancer, I think I'd go home and roll up in a ball, but you don't. We're going to hear more from Carol shortly, and coming up later, Angelique O'Flynn is going to talk to us all about delirium and the complexities of this condition. But first, we're going to talk to a Western Sydney local health district expert to hear everything we need to know about breast cancer. So in the studio today, we have the pleasure of being joined by the director of the Westmead Hospital Breast Cancer Institute and the director of our breast screen program for Sydney West, Associate Professor Namala Pathmanathan. Thank you very much for joining the studio, Associate Professor. Thank you, Sia. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. Now, today we really want to have a, a really open and frank chat about breast cancer and before we walked into the studio, we talked about some things that, you know, we feel women really need to know but may not be aware of. On occasions, those messages about early detection fall on deaf ears or people are afraid of getting checked. Today, we want to have a bit of a chat about, you know, what people really need to know about early detection and what they can do, you know, to be sure that they're keeping on top of their health. We'd love a bit of background about what you do here at Westmead and the types of patients you treat in your service. We um, treat between five and 600 breast cancer patients every year through Westmead Breast Cancer Institute. Breast cancer is a very, very common cancer, so we are kept extremely busy. Breast cancer is a disease that has a very long clinical course, so we see patients multiple times for many years. Um, you know, we have 15,000 visits to our clinic every year for breast cancer patients. So it keeps us very, very busy. Um, we see all types of breast cancer, early breast cancers, late breast cancer. We prefer to see the early breast mm -hmm. cancers. These are the ones that are diagnosed through the screening program, um, which really emphasizes why we need to screen for breast cancer to pick it up early. The mm -hmm. earlier you pick up the breast cancer, the better the outcome is for the women. We are very privileged here at Western Sydney. We have an amazing breast cancer service, fully comprehensive. It's all under the one roof that the patients see every specialty that they need to see, and we discuss each and every patient at multidisciplinary meetings to plan out their treatment. We're very fortunate that we have four excellent oncoplastic breast surgeons who mm. look after not only the cancer, that, that comes with, goes without saying, the cancer treatment or therapeutic interventions for breast cancer, but also to ensure that women in the longer term can live with their surgery, can live with the outcome of their surgery. So they're very highly trained, highly qualified breast surgeons that offer every type of breast surgery that they're is. You know, we're very privileged to have, we have probably the best breast cancer service in the whole of Australia, I'd like to say. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. So the patients you mentioned, mm. what catchment are they from? So they're the Western Sydney local health districts, but we do get a lot of outside referrals as well that come to our service simply because they know that we have everything to offer, the highest standards of care. Um, the Westmead Breast Cancer Institute has a comprehensive breast imaging service as well. We also offer the screening, all of the women in the Westmead, uh, well, the Western Sydney Local Health District and the Blue Mountains Health District as well. So we kind of offer the full range of services that 
women need for even for benign breast lesions, for example. So it's a comprehensive breast service from the imaging to the screening to the treatment and the follow-up and the management. And we have, you know, highly qualified breast care nurses that look after each and every one of our patients. So it's a fully comprehensive service. Wow, that's so impressive. Now, you said that you obviously hope to reach patients at the early stages. Mm. At the moment, what's the balance between people who come in at a later stage and people who are getting their breasts checked early enough yeah. for early treatment? Approximately half of our patients come through the screening pathway, so it's been picked up through a screening mammogram. But one thing that I would like to emphasise is that's one area that we're not doing that well in. We're not recruiting enough women for our screening program. About half of the women who are in the 50 to 74 age group, which is the age group where we screening is most effective, we are not able to get those women. So one in two women is not having a screening mammogram as she should every two years. So only about half of our patients come through the screening program. We'd like that number to be higher. So we'd like to pick up those cancers early through these screening mammograms. So, you know, I have an emphatic um, message for all those women out there in Western Sydney's to have your screening mammogram, not just once, but once every two years. If you're between the ages of 50 and 74, screening mammograms will pick up cancers early and your outcomes will be much better. So it's not something to run away from. It's something to embrace as part of your routine health checks. Can we talk a little bit more about screening and early detection? Obviously, people might be hearing this and thinking, well, you know, I should really check Mm. because I want to get the best outcome possible. Apart from those regular mammograms, should you be checking yourself? Should should people be doing their own checks at home? A hundred percent. Women of any age should always check their breasts. Uh, women who are premenopausal, so they're still having their periods, they should check their breasts. Breast self-examination is a very important part of your routine health checks. You should do it at the same time of the month, so you know, so that in, in line with your cycle, your menstrual cycle. Uh, in the shower, you know, check both sides. There are videos online to show you exactly how to do this, but the best thing is to feel right up into the armpit all the way down to the nipple in a radial fashion and make sure that you examine each and every quadrant of the breast, every part of the breast tissue. Anything that feels abnormal, then obviously you'll go to your GP and they'll recommend what to do next. The reason you do it at the same time of the month is because the breast is a changing organ. It's constantly changing and evolving and, you know, you may get cysts and lumps and bumps. But if you do it at the same time of your cycle, it sort of tends to be reasonably consistent because you don't want women, you know, just getting unnecessarily alarmed with new lumps. So same time of the cycle, have a consistent feel you know what to expect and it should feel the same all the time anytime you have an issue straight to the GP and they will recommend what the next course of imaging to do or whatever investigations that we don't normally recommend mammograms for women under the age of 50 and that's because the breast tissue is a lot denser so the x-rays don't penetrate the tissue as well so you could easily have hidden things or small tiny things that would not be picked up on a mammogram so these mammograms so the screening mammograms are best for women between the ages of 50 and 74 that's when breast cancer is the most common anyway. Women under 50 are unlikely to get breast cancer. It's not common. It's much more common between 50 and 74, which is why we screen in that age group. Those women should screen every two years without fail. You know, a mammogram can pick up uh, cancers that are the size of a rice grain, so you'd never be able to feel them. But when you pick them up that early, Mm. you can avoid the more aggressive surgeries and you can avoid chemotherapy in many cases. Does a mammogram hurt? I won't lie. Of course they do. (laughs) Unfortunately, yes. Sometimes 
sometimes we say that if you don't, if it doesn't hurt, it hasn't been done properly mm -hmm. because you really need to compress the breast tissue to ensure that the x-rays penetrate right the way through. There's no point having a test if it's not going to be done correctly. So the breast tissue does need to be compressed in order for those x-rays to penetrate through so we can see all the way through the breast tissue. We recommend women, if they are really apprehensive about it, to take a couple of Panadol, you know, 15 minutes before their mammogram, you know, speak tip. to your radiographer. Yeah. yeah, it's a relationship between you and the radiographer who's doing the screen mm. and, and tell them, you know, it's hurting, um, you know, and they will adjust things and try to make you feel comfortable. But usually it lasts, it's momentary, you know, mm. a few seconds for two views, two compressions, and then it's over. It's quite quick. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's, that's good to know. So I'm curious to know about some trends in the breast cancer space. Obviously, this is your bread and butter and you've been involved in it in such a long time. What trends have you seen over the years and, you know, what should we be focusing on in 2021? Mm, so many, so many trends. In the time that I've been uh, working in breast cancer for almost 20 years now, so many things have changed and it's a constantly evolving field, which is very heartening because there's a lot of research going into things and research informs our practice, which is wonderful, what you want to see in any clinical stream. I would say that there's lots of changes. Firstly, from the surgical side, you know, there's been a real shift in the way we think about breast cancer surgery. Surgery. We've moved from thinking that, you know, having a, a mastectomy, removing all the tissue is the only way to go to doing much, much less. And also focusing on the cosmesis, the cosmetic outcomes for women. Remembering that these women must live for decades longer with these, you know, new their new breasts. Reshaping procedures, implants and uh, reconstruction have been the focus of Westmead Breast Cancer Institute. And we're definitely leaders in the field in this area. So surgical techniques are constantly evolving. You know, we we have breast fellowships and we're training new fellows and learning from research and techniques that have been going on for many years now. We've got quite a lot of expertise in that area. Aside from breast surgery, um, in terms of, you know, the systemic treatment for breast cancer, so chemotherapy and hormonal treatments, we're constantly trying to refine and identify which women need to have chemotherapy, which women need what types of chemotherapy. So really individualizing treatment for women. So that's been the focus uh, at Westmead for a long time to really identify which women, because you'd be surprised, we tend to overtreat breast cancer. So a focus of research and which we've turned into clinical practice at Westmead is to really identify those women that will benefit from chemotherapy so that we're not overtreating women. So that's been part of our practice. And then, of course, the hardest area is the area of triple negative breast cancer. So they don't have estrogen receptors or HER2 receptors. So these don't have a targeted therapy. So identifying targets for those triple negative breast cancers, which tend to occur in younger women mm. or women who have hereditary syndromes. So that's kind of the area of focus that we're looking at now worldwide as well as at Westmead to try and identify new and targeted therapies that will help. Yes, that's mm. a very big area at the moment. Totally is. Is there a larger number of younger women being diagnosed with breast cancer? I don't think there has been an increase in the number per se, but maybe women are more self-aware. So we are picking up women that are coming to us earlier within their breast cancer journey with triple negatives and smaller breast cancer. So I think women, younger women are getting more aware, mm. so they're presenting earlier. So mm. that has been a trend we've noticed. Yeah, and I think um, I think what's important to address is, and, and this is just my own experience, you know, sample size, my friendship group, <laughs> but um, I think people tend to have the misconception that if 
I don't have a family history, I don't need to focus on it? That is, yeah, that is a common misconception. But in reality, it's only one in 10 women that will have a family history. So wow. 90% will not. So, um, you know, breast cancer is incredibly common. As we've said, one in eight women, it's actually now one in seven women, will develop breast cancer in their lifetime. And for this reason, we need to be aware about hmm. of our breasts. We need to be aware of the screening program once we turn 50. Yep. But it is incredibly important to keep that breast health front Absolutely. of mind. Well, what we might do is we might find one of the videos you spoke about that show how to do your monthly checks. Yes. And we might include that in the show notes and in our yep. poll story. Sounds so like for anyone, idea. yeah, if anybody wants to have a look at that, please take the time to do that. It could honestly save your life. We're going to talk to Carol Bolas. Carol has been a patient of the Breast Cancer Institute and we wanted to hear Carol's experience and we're really, really grateful. She's happy to share her experience and we think that her lived experience might help other women out there because Carol's come out the other side and now she wants to share our story with us. Thank you very much, Carol, for joining us in the studio today. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Carol, first question is an easy one. Tell us about your uh, experience with the Breast Cancer Institute. Tell us about your journey. Where did it start and where are you now? I just went along for my two-yearly breast check, had the mammogram, come home, thought, now that I've had the mammogram, I'll be fine. You know, every time I've been fine. A couple of weeks later, I got a phone call to say that there had been an appointment for me at the Breast Clinic Centre at um, Westmead uh, just to come along and expect to be there for about f four hours. So I came along with my husband and um, as soon as I walked in, I was put at ease. They did tests. They did. They took me in and they gave me... Um, uh, Biopsy? Biopsies, yes. And... Um, I did ask the nurse, I said, can you tell if this is going to be cancer? And she said, look, don't worry about it. She said, "If sometimes if the lumps bounce, you're fine. And so after about an hour, they were inserting needles and things. And I said to her, are the lumps bouncing? And she said, no, they're not. But during this time, that nurse never let go of my hand. From the time I walked in, I had somebody holding my hand and it was just so good to get through. And she said to me at the time, she said, you're not to worry about this. She said, because in 10 years, you'll laugh about this and you say, I got through this okay. And I thought, well, if she's talking 10 years, I'm very happy with that. So I had that and went home and then got in touch with a surgeon and got in touch with it. But the people here make life so easy for you. I never made an appointment. I never had to worry about where I had to be or what I had to take. Everything was just on a piece of paper and handed to me. So no matter where I went, I handed my piece of paper. And I never had the worry of ringing up on a f making appointments or anything. So obviously from what I'm saying, they would have, they confirmed your breast they cancer my diagnosis. Breast cancer, yes. And what was your treatment plan? My treatment plan was, I was asked if I would like to uh, have a lumpectomy or have my breast taken and I said I'll just have the breast taken off and uh, the doctor said Dr French said just go and think about it for half an hour have a coffee and he said speak to your, your doctor I rang my GP and he said what do you think I said look I'll just have the breast off he said I think that's a good move so I come back in and I had the breast off which was a good move because uh, after the operation they found that I had two lumps one was quite aggressive wow. and the other was okay so he said you probably would have had to go back in and have them both up I was offered did I want to have reconstructed I said look I'm 67 and I don't deal with anesthetic all that well I said I'm fine so it was easy 
Okay, so you had the surgery. Did you have any other treatment, any chemotherapy? Yes. Yeah, just yes. For, yeah was that just for as a precaution or? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think I had uh, once a week for, I think, a year or six months. And then I had Herceptin every three weeks for a year after I'd finished the uh, chemo. And how did you take to the chemotherapy? I was very lucky. Yeah, really? I got through it fine, yeah. I got th- and the, the women there, the nurses there, just... As soon as you walk in, you're at ease. Nobody's looking at you sideways. Everybody's joking, happy. Wow. And none of those people that look after you, as I said, I don't think they ever have a bad day. Well, if they do, they leave it at home because when you go in, you're their primary concern and just makes life easy. So how long has it been since your last treatment? Well, I had on five years from the operation this April, so May. So it's, I had... Wow. Yeah. So what's your outlook on life now? Terrific, like it was before. You mm. just, you have to find the strength, and you do. You find the strength. I thought when they told me that I, I thought if ever I had cancer or if I had breast cancer, I think I'd go home and roll up in a ball, but you don't. You mm. find this strength, and the people around you give it to you. And I thought even if I roll up and in a ball and go into the room and shut my bedroom door and cry, I've still got to come out eventually. And I had my children and my grandchildren looking at me. My grandchildren said, Mum said, you're sick. And I said, no, I've got breast cancer. I said, I might have to get a bit sick to get better, but I'll be good. And they were fine with that. We didn't talk about it. We didn't dwell on it. We didn't. You just got to, you do what you've got to do. And you just, as I said, get the strength. I think it's the test result part that is the most stressful part. Once you know what's happening, then you face it. And uh, Namala was saying, look at the amazing people we have in Western Sydney who will take care of you and take you and hold your hand, literally hold your hand. Never let go of my hand. And take you through the journey. Yeah. And you just, as I said, you just find this strength, but they empower you to have the strength. And once I got the results, I thought, yep, okay, I've got to, I've had a plan. I've got to do this. I've got to get through this. A and plan I can is do good, this. isn't it? That calms anxiety. Once you anxiety. find out what's going on, you're fine. You're calm. Mm. Mm. And uh, you have to be because so, you have to be. Mm. So importantly, you would be considered a survivor. You oh, yes. detected it early, mm. did the right thing. Yeah. You know, now you've got, you're here to I tell the here. story. And look, if it's five years... I'm happy with that. Mm. I do take my hat off. I used to sit in the waiting room uh, waiting to see the doctors and I'd see young ladies there, young mothers with babies, and I used to think, how lucky am I? I'm 67. I've raised my children and these girls with their mums and young babies, Mm. I think they're heroes. They're beautiful people. They get through it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a, a very sad disease that we wish did, didn't is. exist at all. Yeah. But what does um, give me hope is, you know, the, the great service that is available and that is, That's you know, right. helping people individualising their care and not just treating the, the problem, the, the disease, but individualising and, and obviously looking after the emotional oh. side as well. Oh, the, the fun that used to go on while you're having really? chemo. Oh, yeah. You didn't know you were having chemo. Like you didn't know. You couldn't have known. If you didn't know, you wouldn't know why you were there. You're just sitting there hooked up. But yeah. it's just, you know, it, I, I, I can't believe how you get this calmness and this fight. And yeah. you do get a fight. You fight. Well, personally, I'm 34 mm-hmm. and I get 
an ultrasound done once a year mm. and um, I'm not afraid of it because uh, actually a few years ago I had a conversation with Namala. she may not remember this mm. but she told me that the treatment is so advanced now that if you get detected could be treated like a chronic disease like obviously not all cases okay. are like that but that calmed me down so much okay. that it gave me the courage to keep getting checked because I, I knew that if I was to go down that journey and I caught it early I'd have a lot more of a chance of seeing the other side. That's right. Uh, what's your message to oh, other people out there? My go and get tested. It's half an hour a year. An hour every two years. It's half an hour. Go and get tested because they'll send you home and say, yeah, we can fix you. Wait 10 years. It's not going to be good. Hmm. It's, and it's fair, begging you to go. Just go. Hmm. Just go. That's yeah. such an important message. It is. Just go. Yeah. And it sounds like you, you've been doing a lot of work with the Breast Cancer oh, Institute. Sometimes they ring me and ask me to help out, but no, just a little smidgen here and there with them. But it's just nice to have someone there, I suppose, if they need someone. Because you'd never repay these people, these nurses. You can never repay them, ever. They're just angels, aren't they? Oh, and they don't, I don't think they realise what they do for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, I'm sure you have a new lease on life and oh. it's great that you're using your experience to help mm. others. And, you know, while you seem very comfortable to talk about your experience, I think it does mm. take courage to open up about your journey. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming into the studio today. Thank you. In the show notes, you'll find a video about how to check your breasts and do a, a bit of a self-assessment and some other information you may find useful. We'll also include a list of screening clinics in Western Sydney. So, you know, don't spend time dwelling on it. Book the appointment. Once you read these show notes, just book it in. Really important thing to note is that screening is free. It will not cost you a cent to get tested. So as Carol said, half an hour, half an hour is all it'll take. Your radiologist will take you through it and make you feel comfortable. So do it and give yourself the best chance of saving your life and encourage other people in your life to do the same. Thank you, Sia, Namala, and Carol in particular for that wonderful interview. Uh, not only was it informative, but it was incredibly emotional as well, uh, hearing that personal journey. As promised, we're going to be talking about delirium now, and joining me is dementia clinical nurse consultant Angelique O'Flynn. Angelique, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. You've been part of community health here since 2011 now, is that right? That is correct, yeah. Great. So I understand with your role, you work with people with delirium, you want to improve their health outcomes, but you also want to raise awareness of delirium and combat some of the stigma around it. Can you tell me, how did you get into this role? I started off in aged health and we'd see a lot of people that would come in confused and they'd get these false diagnosis of dementia or they'd be sent down to the psych ward, to the psych geri wards and these people would fall or they'd die and they'd have these quick met calls that we just didn't know why they were happening and they all had something different. After years of study and watching the way that the world has developed delirium, now we're creating awareness for everyone to use the same terminology, the same language, so that we can start to get people treated and hopefully stop some of those really poor outcomes. Can you tell me then what is delirium and how is it different from dementia? Delirium, it's an altered state of consciousness. Consciousness, and it's considered a medical emergency. 
it can look very much like a psychosis. So there is disorientation, there's a change in a person's alertness, their function. They may have delusions or hallucinations. The difference between that and a psychosis, it's caused by a physiological basis. Mm. So something actually physically wrong with the person causing the confusion. Now, that differs from a dementia because dementia is a long-term illness. Delirium is very short. It's acute. It's now. And it's based on this underlying physiological cause. So if you treat the underlying, most people with a delirium will actually go back to their baseline. People with a dementia, they will continue for their brain to slowly deteriorate over time as what happens with dementia. Delirium and dementia do cross paths a lot Mm -hmm. because there is the actual brain disease and the brain isn't as robust for people with a dementia. However, anyone can get a delirium. We see it in kids. We see it in all different areas. So it sounds like one of the main things for people to know is that delirium can affect anyone, not just older people. What are some of the other important things you think for people listening to understand about delirium? My biggest thing is the catchphrase, certainly if you're in community health where I work, you will hear it. If it's new, get a review. If it's new, get a review. All right. I'm going to remember that one. (laughs) If you notice a behavioral change, even in people with dementia or with mental health illnesses, you'll see a behavioral change. They're not their normal selves. And often we'll have carers that will say, to know this person's not the same as they are at home. Making sure that as healthcare providers, we listen to that and we act on it just to make sure that we do look for the delirium. Actually, the New South Wales Health Policy Directive now says that we should be looking for physiological causes of mental deterioration before we proceed to mental health. So we should be doing those delirium screens. Mm -hmm. So firstly, for our staff listening, if they're noticing signs of delirium, what should they do? They should call a clinical review. If they're in the community, that's going to be either the GP or an ambulance, depending on what other symptoms the person has. If they're in the wards, then that will be from the medical teams to call those clinical reviews where we get the person physically checked out so we can look for that underlying cause of delirium to treat it as quickly as possible. If there's something that's concerning you, get a review. Great. All right. Thank you for teaching us about delirium, Angelique. Appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks for listening to Western Sydney Health Check. This podcast is brought to you by Western Sydney Local Health District. For the latest health news, visit us at thepulse.org.au.